I'd like to talk to you today about the most important work in the world. Life is all about work, isn't it? Some of you are enjoying a weekend. Others of you work the weekend. You work during the week and the weekend. But the most important work in all the world, of course, is uh, the business of bringing people into a saving knowledge of, of Jesus. I know you know that. Uh, the most important work in the world is the work that we do in this church and in every other church like this church uh, as we try to plant seeds of goodness in the hearts of our children uh, that will bear fruit for time and eternity. In chapter 13, Jesus is uh, giving a parable, and he taught many things in parables. And the parable is simply an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And it kind of uh, made it easy to make the application whenever there was something tangible that people could see and something they knew about, something that was familiar. And in verse number one, it says, On the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him so that, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. I'm sure that as you read the New Testament, you see that Jesus, uh, there are many people just crushing in to hear him wherever he goes because the word is out. He knows how to meet their need. He knows how to uh, heal them. And uh, they tremendously desired that. And so many people came together to hear him uh, in order to make this scene an amphitheater. What he did was he got in a boat and he pushed out a little bit offshore and it was there that, that he taught the multitudes that were around him on that uh, theater-like setting. And uh, in verse 3 it says, He spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. The word behold here is very interesting. It simply means look. And so as Jesus was sitting in the boat and the people were around him like that, evidently, this is what we conclude, evidently, that up above the mass of people there was a field. And if you go to Israel and you, and you look at that geography over there, that's the way it lays, uh, the, the field is up there. And there probably was a, a lone sower up there, a farmer. And he was doing what farmers do. He was casting his seed in the ground. And so maybe when Jesus uh, said this, look, maybe the whole crowd turned around and looked at the poor farmer up there, and the farmer was just kind of minding his own business, and all of a sudden all these people are looking at him. That's the way it could have happened. Uh, he said, behold, or went out to, out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the wayside. Now, for those of you who like to mark in your Bible, I, and I'm addicted to that, as you know, uh, I'd like for you to circle or underline the word wayside or footpath because that's the first kind of seed that he sows the seed on. Uh, he throws the seed out on the footpath. Uh, and uh, it's interesting here that the birds came and devoured them. You saw just recently that... Uh, uh, did you see that article in Fort Worth, Texas where all those birds uh, were kind of invading Fort Worth, Texas? They didn't know what they how to get rid of them. They were shooting them. They, were, uh, they brought in other, an eagle, I think, to go chase them away. Uh, but here we find that when this sower was out sowing the seed, there was this 
flock of birds, I almost said a herd, it was a flock of birds, and they were looking because this is what, uh, this was the way they got a free lunch. And uh, you'll notice here, and he sowed some of the seed by the wayside. That's the, the footpath of the farm. And the birds came and devoured them. That seed didn't last very long on that hard surface. Some fell on stony places. That's the second kind of soil. And so if you'll circle that or underline that, um, in Israel, of course, when you go there, you're really amazed with how rocky it is. There are rocks everywhere. And, and no matter how long they've been there in their fields, no matter how many times they've been through the fields, rocks are all still all over the place. They just must keep working themselves up or something. But here we find there was a layer of soil. Uh, and uh, there was this layer of soil. And they immediately, the seed sprang up because... And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Uh, now, we know that whenever a plant is planted, in order for it to flourish, the roots have to go in what direction? They have to go down, right? And so if there's a small surface of soil on the, on the rock, uh, there's no place for the, the roots to go and the little, the little plant withers. Here's the next soil, verse 7, Matthew 13. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Um, there were some things planted where the soil was not prepared. And of course, the lesson that we've already deciphered so far is that this farmer is throwing soil on unprepared soil or soil that was, wasn't ready to assimilate the seed. And uh, these thorns and other weeds choked it. But now look at verse number 8. Here's the soil that God wants that typifies our heart. And some fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Uh, God wants to plant the seed of his word in our heart, uh, not just for us to know more things about him or the Bible, but to produce a spiritual harvest. Now, that's challenging to me. For you and me to produce a spiritual harvest. Uh, and this is, this is what God wants from us. And here the Bible says a harvest can be a hundredfold, sixtyfold, or thirtyfold. And he who has ears, let him hear. This parable is mentioned in three places in the New Testament. Mark 13, right here. Uh, excuse me, Matthew 13 and Mark 4 and Luke 8. Uh, if uh, you went to a ball game, let's say you had five people here in the church went off to a ball game and you came back and I asked you, hey, what did you get out of the ball game? Tell me about it. I'm sure probably a few of the things that you soaked into the ball game would be the same, but probably all five persons that went to a ball game would have a little different slant. And that's the way it is when we read the Gospels. You know, we have this story in Matthew, and we have this story in Mark, and we have this story in Luke, and they're all telling the same story, but they're given a different angle, and that's so cool. Because what you do is you put all the stories together, and you get a, a more comprehensive understanding of, uh, in this case, the parable. Well, in Matthew 13, 3, he says, look. But over in Mark's gospel, he says, hearken or listen. And so, if Jesus was saying to the 
people who were looking at him look up there and then he says, listen to me. He gave them a visual of what he was talking about and then he says, listen now, listen to me and I'm going to make for you the application of this man up there planting the seed. First of all, in verse number three, we have the sower. And in this passage, the sower is not named. He's kind of an anonymous sower. Just a person doing his job sowing. But you know, as you look through the Bible, you find that that on occasion these sowers were named. For instance, in the same chapter, in verse number 37, the Bible says, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. Of course, that's the name for Christ. And so, when Jesus here is talking about the sower up there, he's doing the very thing he's talking about. He's giving these people, his audience, the Word of God. And he is sowing the Word of God in the heart of his audience. Uh, Jesus did a lot of that in his earthly ministry. He went out around sowing the seed in people's hearts. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, in the Corinthian church, they were kind of struggling and people were taking sides about what minister in the church they liked the best. And uh, some people said, boy, we really like Paul. His Sunday school class is the best. Other people said, no, we, we really like Apollos, man. He's awesome. Uh, and then in 1 Corinthians 3, 7, the scripture says, So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Uh, the emphasis in the Bible is not on the names it's not on the names of the sower. Uh, the glory goes to God. And I know sometimes that we know this and we, we learn it and we, and we hear it, but it almost takes a lifetime to understand it. That God looks at you and me as someone who sows, someone who waters, but we must always keep in mind it is God who brings the increase. And without His divine touch, uh, all that we do is fruitless. And that's why the Bible says in Galatians 6.14, uh, God forbid that we should boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you'll notice here in our verse for today, look at verse 3. Behold, a sower went out to sow. Uh, this is important. You know, a sower... That was his job. He had to go out and do it. He had to take his seed and he had to go to work. And that's the message that God wants us to get out of this. You know, uh, I have seed all over my house. By, by that I mean Bibles. Uh, I have a stack of them here, a stack of them there. Under the, I have them everywhere. Uh, all kinds of study tools and Bibles. The seed. But they do... They do little good unless they take them and sow them. The same is true with you. You know, we, uh, we have all of our Bible studies and those are fine and they're edifying and they help us and they help others. But, uh, but they're of no value if we don't take the seed. And now I'm, I'm ahead of myself because the seed is the next point. And we don't spread it around. We have to take it and spread it. And that's our mission as a Christian. We have to spread the seed. Now, I love this. Psalms 126, verse 6. Let's, uh, let's read this together. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, 
shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You know, I have relied and quoted this verse for years. And the Bible says that the sower will go out with tears and plant the seed. The ultimate will happen. He will come again with what? There's nothing as exciting as bringing in the harvest. You know, the toiling is the seed deal, right? The toiling is getting out there and doing the work. It's exciting when it grows and it comes in. The Bible says here, He will doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing His harvest with Him. Now, this is a verse for a lifetime right here. This is something you can put in your pocket and you can use it for your lifetime. Because you and I spend a lifetime, hopefully, as best we can, doing our little thing. Throwing the seed out there. And this is a promise. If we water the seed with our tears, then we'll come again and we'll bring our harvest. And boy, won't that be a wonderful thing. The next thing is the seed. And it's amazing. And I'm sure if we uh, had some farmers, we might have some few amateur farmers here in the church. I don't know. But it's amazing what a seed can produce. It's amazing. You just take a few little kernels of something and all of a sudden you have this gigantic harvest. There's so much potential in the seed. The seed is what produces the harvest. And these, this is what we work with. These are the tools of our trade. The tools of our trade is the seed of the Word of God. When I think of our little Sunday school classes here at the church and all the teachers as they stand in front of their classes and they teach the children the Word of God, you know what they're doing? They're planting those seeds in their heart uh, every week. And, they, and when you do that same thing at home, you're doing the same thing. Now, if you'll notice here in verse number 19, uh, Matthew 13:19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, that's the seed, the word of the kingdom. The message that there is a little kingdom in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. And so when you and I go out and we make this parable applicable, we're telling people, listen, you know, you see the kingdoms of the world and they're quite frightening, aren't they? They sure are. But there is another kingdom. It's smaller right now. But one of these days, it will take over the kingdoms of the world. But right now, it's spiritual in nature. And God is enlisting people into his spiritual kingdom. There is a king who is calling people to be his subjects. And so I want to invite you to come and be a subject of the king. The king of kings and lord of lords. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.23 that this seed is incorruptible. It's the word of God that lives and abides forever. I know seed lasts a long time, but the word of God will last forever. Uh, I've heard stories where seeds have been found in ancient societies and somehow put in the earth even today and they, and they come to life. Uh, I'm sure that seeds can last a long time, but the Bible will last forever because it's the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's living and powerful. Uh, I said before, I have lots of seeds. Uh, I used to think the way to really know something is to get more books. And I got more books and I found out that's not the way for me to know anymore. Uh, I enjoy reading. Uh, but it's the seed that counts. It's powerful. It's living. 
Isaiah 55:11 says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Uh, and this is the confidence that we have as a sower. This is the confidence. Our job is to sow. God's job, listen, is to grow. We work together. The Bible says we're co-laborers together. We're in the harvest together. We sow, He grows. We can't grow, He can. The next thing is the soil, and that's the most, that's the most exciting part to me. Uh, whenever we throw the seed on the soil, what kind of reception are we to get? Uh, you'll notice in verse number 4 we have the footpath here, the wayside, those little paths where the farmers went. And uh, they weren't supposed to plant anything. That's where they walked, on those hardened paths. And when they threw the seed out there, we, I call that the hardened soil or the hard heart. How many people do you know today have a hard heart? And maybe you've gone to them and you've tried to plant the soil in their heart, and their answer is no. Sometimes it's very dogmatic. You better get out of here. Uh, but their answer is no. Don't bother me with your preaching. Don't bother me with your witnessing. Don't bother me with the Bible. I don't have time for that right now. Uh, that's a hard-hearted person. Now, uh, and what happens is when you throw the seed on those hearts, that's a person who is in lockstep with the devil. The Bible says the birds, and they represent the devil, uh, come immediately and take the seed away off of that hard-hearted person. And you ask yourself, and you go away and you say, there's no hope for that person. Well, let me believe this. That even though their heart is hard, they are not hopeless. And I'll tell you the reason why, and I'm going to give you the scripture. Are you ready? Hosea 10:12 says this. Plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Just because a person is hard-hearted, that doesn't mean one day they cannot be soft-hearted. And so a lot of times we go around and we say, oh, that's a hard-hearted person. I don't want to waste any time on them. I'm looking for the good soil people. This will be easier. Well, don't have that attitude. They are hard-hearted, but they are not hopeless. All they have to do is have God come through and plow up their hard heart. There are many of the finest Christians today living for the Lord who one day had a hard heart. They don't anymore. They've been touched by God. The next type part uh, is the shallow soil. And uh, these people don't say no when you preach. They say yes. You find them in the church. You find them where you work. And uh, you go out and you talk to them about the Lord. Um, Let's look at them here in verse number 5. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. First of all, these people said, yes. The Word of God was sown, and they said, yes, count me in. Count me in with enthusiasm. But then after a period of time... They said, no, count me out. And I know this is discouraging for you because, because we have all the best hopes in the world for people. We, we, 
try to bring people to Christ and they say yes and then we jump up and down for like three or four days. Uh, and then if they change and they say no, it takes the wind out of us. It, it's, a, it's hard for us to understand. And you'll notice here in verse 21, there's a few other thoughts about this. He has no root in himself but endures only for a while. He's a temporary believer. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Here's a person who hears the word of the Lord and God can bring us peace and joy and love and happiness. And who doesn't want to sign on to that? Almost everybody I know wants all that. But there's more to sign on to. There's persecution. There's trouble. 2 Timothy 2.12 says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And since it's when, uh, it's when that glistening gleam of what they want Christianity to be for them is gone, and they see that, hey, this is a battle. This is a battleground out here. Uh, they wither. They wither right up, and they bail right out. And as fast as they started to bloom, they wither the shallow soil. And then there's the distracted soil. And I think this is the, the thing that most of us are more familiar with. Look at verse 7. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. I remember many years ago when Joanne and I first moved to this community, we lived in a little place over in the library called Snowden. How many people are familiar with Snowden? Okay, quite a few. Um, and uh, we lived there, and the railroad tracks went right behind our house. And uh, I got this crazy idea. I wanted to plant some tomato plants because I saw other people growing, and I thought if they can do it, I can too. And so I went out and got me these nice tomato plants, and I borrowed a rototiller. That was back when rototillers was like as big as that piano. Remember those years? They were giant. And, I, you know, you, you just hang, start it up and hang on for a lot of your life. And I, and I had, right out by the railroad tracks, there was all this, this big patch of weeds, and I thought it would be a perfect place duh, for, to put these tomatoes in. So I cranked that rototiller up, and I, I went through. I didn't know you're supposed to like, get the weeds out of there first. I just, like, plowed them under. And I just plowed that all under, and it looked pretty good to me. And I went and got those tomato plants, and I thought, boy, this is going to be really great. I'm going to have tomatoes. And what happened is my life got busy. And I kind of like forgot all about my little garden. And I noticed after a period of time, those weeds were coming back out there. And they were going strong. And I remember, I, as vividly as I, as, as I can remember today, I went out there and I was starting to look like for my tomato plants. They were down in those weeds. And they never produced hardly anything. It was pitiful. Uh, and that uh, is my poor image here of this. Uh, here we find that uh, these are the distracted ones. Look over to verse number 22. And now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and look at this, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and that person becomes unfruitful. There are two things mentioned here. The cares of the world, the troubles of the world. I, I'll tell you, the troubles of the world are real. They really are. I had a lady tell me one time, I have so many troubles in my life, I can't think about God right now. Now, you would think that if somebody had a lot of troubles, they'd be wanting to think about God. Not her. She said she just couldn't fit it into her system. 
She had too many issues going on, the worries of this world. Uh, the next thing uh, was the of riches. Uh, deceitfulness means trickery, deception. Uh, our pursuit of riches robs us of time and attention. And that's what God wants from you and me. He wants some time and he wants some attention. And what happens is when we become so interested and so passionate about uh, building our portfolio or getting enough and putting more money into our account or all of these things, what happens is we become unfruitful. And let me say this. Oftentimes our, the weeds in our life are not, not bad things, but they are good things. I've seen many Christians sign on to all sorts of spiritual work. When somebody has a project, they, they volunteer for that. Another project, count me in. And before long, their life becomes unfruitful. Uh, they're just spread all over the place. Uh, uh, they're distracted. And then there's the good ground. Uh, that's what I call the prepared soil. Uh, Joanne and I tried to be gardeners for a long time. It seemed like we always planted the wrong type flower in the wrong place. And then something, somebody gave us a tip and said, listen, you've got to get the right soil. You do? The right soil. So I took a few pictures, and uh, I just want to show you some of our work this last summer here, since I have nobody to share my pictures with. And so since you're captivated here, I, I just want to show you. Now, don't go so fast. Slow this thing down. Back up there. I'm going to back up. Uh, keep going back. That's it. Okay. Okay, let's go again. These impatience, we always tried to grow them, but we got the wrong, we got the wrong soil. And then somebody told me that you have to get, what's the kind of soil that you need to really grow stuff in? It's called, starts with an M. Miracle grow. <laughs> and so we did it, and it grew pretty good, and people would walk by our house, and they'd say, hey, this is a nice flower. Well, years ago, they used to walk by our house and go like that, the poor guy. Feel sorry for them. But it, all the difference is the prepared soil. What makes the difference, though? Whenever we come to a passage of Scripture like this, what makes the difference? Uh, it's the Spirit-filled heart. How can we really take a, a passage like this and apply it to our life? 1 Corinthians 2.14 is a wonderful verse. Uh, let's read this together. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now, whenever you and I open the Bible and we read this passage of Scripture, it can make sense to us, because God has given us the gift of eternal life, and he has given us the gift of spiritual discernment. And so the Scripture says here, the natural man or the unspiritual man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. It goes right over their head. Uh, so much to the, that it sometimes it becomes foolishness to him. And, and I like this next statement. I don't like it, but I believe it. Nor can he know them. And the reason why he can't assimilate biblical truth is because he doesn't have the Holy Spirit in his heart. When a person has the Holy Spirit in their heart, then they can understand the things of God. And, uh, and so Jesus here is teaching his his people, 
And those whose hearts have been touched and whose ears have been opened, they can understand. Now, I hope you can understand today. Let me just draw a few conclusions. First of all, there's no harvest without sowing the seed. You know, all of us dream about harvest time. You know, won't it be great when somebody finds the Lord? Well, you know what God is waiting on? He's waiting on you to help them. Remember the story of the Ethiopian eunuch in the Bible? He's coming back from Jerusalem riding on his chariot. He's reading the Bible. And the Spirit said to Philip, Hey, listen, you've got to go help that guy. He needs help. He's reading the Bible. He doesn't understand it. And so Philip goes and he jumps up there and he helps Philip and, or the Ethiopian eunuch and he becomes a believer. Uh, there's no harvest without sowing the seed. There's a harvest for faithful sowers. There really is. Galatians 6, 9 says this. And let's read it. So don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged and give up. For we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. Look at the last part. At the what? God's time. You're going to say, well, we want it now. Well, that, it doesn't work that way. Don't get discouraged. You know the hard-hearted person you gave up on? I want to challenge you today to redouble your efforts. Go to them. You might say, I've been to them, and boy, I get, I get like rebuffed every time. Just keep going. Do it in love. Do it in humility. Um, whenever my dad accepted the Lord as a Savior, he did it with enthusiasm. He was kind of a quiet guy. Always worked. He always had two jobs. And, you know, he was part of that culture that worked all the time. That's what he did to provide for our home. Uh, but when he accepted the Lord, God lit a fire in his heart. And everywhere he went, he told people about Jesus. And I'm sure that I was embarrassed because he was so aggressive. That wasn't it. And sometimes that's the hardest people in all the world to witness to. You know, I've... Uh, I've seen many people through the years. They've taken missionary trips, and we come back, and I'm one of them. We come back from the missionary trip, and we say, man, it was so exciting. I want ten people to Christ. And I believe that God does work in special ways on mission trips. But, you know, when we come back, we're just literally petrified to keep loving our family in such a way that to bring them to Christ. But, you know, my dad was unashamed. I don't know whether the word is shameless for the gospel. He was unashamed. Now listen, he had what I don't have. Many times I've been ashamed. I've been afraid to come right up front and identify myself. Not him. He was unashamed. Uh, he was a Christian. He wasn't ashamed of it. And uh, I remember he tried to bring his family to Jesus and his brother Charles, and I've mentioned this to you before, lived in Washington, D.C. And we used to live right out uh, by the Robinson Town Center there on Route 60 in, in a little house. And my dad, I remember as a kid, I'd see him on the telephone witnessing to his brother Charles, who was in love with a bottle and love with money in Washington, D.C. And he would cry on the phone in my presence. In my presence, he was not ashamed to cry. He would cry on the phone to his brother to come to come to God. 
because he knew that what he believed was real. And my, oftentimes his brother wouldn't even answer the phone because he knew what he was in for. And my dad did it with a lot of love, you know. He really did. And he said, quit preaching to me. Well, my father passed away and I did his funeral. And uh, at his funeral, his brother came from Washington, D.C. And he accepted Jesus as his Savior at the funeral. He really did. Now, I know that all decisions at funerals are not for real. It's a very emotional time. Sometimes people make spurious decisions. But his was real. Because he went back to Washington, D.C., and listen, he got involved in a church like this church. He never knew what a church was in his life that night. Him and my father grew up in the horse racing business and here in western Pennsylvania and West Virginia. And, I mean, they didn't just know what church was about. They went back to Washington, D.C. and got involved in Brethren Church. After a period of time, he died, and his, uh, his wife sent me a tape of his funeral, and on the funeral, they talked about his faith in Jesus. Uh, this verse uh, was real. The other verse, you know what my dad did? He never quit. He never quit. And you know what he did? He watered the seed with his tears. And the Bible says, He that goes forth bearing precious seed in tears will doubtless come again with rejoicing. And so, my message to you today is this. There are people in your life whose heart is hard. Their heart is hard. Give them the word and water it with your tears. And the harvest will be at the appropriate time. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today. I wonder how many people in our church can identify with one of these soils along the way. Maybe you're the hard-hearted person. Well, listen, God knows how to break your heart. Maybe you're the person who's become distracted and your time and attention is overcome with all of your problems and the pursuit of money. And you become unfruitful. You go through the motions, but there's not much fruit. I want to encourage you to start pulling those weeds up. Those things in your life that encroach on your life, hinders you. Just begin to pull them up, one by one. Where are you? Are you some soil that God can use to grow a harvest? Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for this story, Lord, and you've given us eyes to see. And I pray, Lord, that uh, the lessons that we have drawn from this passage today will, uh, will just touch our heart in such a way that uh, that we will be people whose soil is good soil that can produce a harvest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together, please, as we sing to the Lord.